welcome to CigarCast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Debbin, and I'm joined as I am every week by Mr. Shane Reeves. You know, I didn't realize you had already started or I wouldn't have coughed off to the side. Yeah, it happens. No, but we're going for the natural feel. Hey, outdoor showers, you in or out? In. Okay. So in. It, okay. like like to the point of dream house already have it built outdoor shower in the dream see i have people come all the time and ask me about that and why oh there's just something about it i don't know i saw one of those home rehab shows many years ago and one of the things that they did is they put a sliding glass door in the master suite in the shower right so it wasn't so much an out i mean it was an outdoor shower but essentially it was their their regular shower. And an icebox during the winter. Well, no, but, <laughs> but for the summer, they, they had like a patio, so you could basically, you're still in your bathroom. It's not like a separate outdoor shower. Okay, but if the top ain't open, it's not an outdoor shower. No, no, no. So you open the sliding glass door, and you go out, and there's an additional shower head on the exterior of the house, and there was like privacy fence around. It, it was amazing, and I absolutely have to have that in my house at some point. I've, there's, I've done better ones. There's better ones out there than that. But anyway, we'll talk about that later when you get ready to design your dream home. Okay. <laughs> and I just had to think about that. And I well, let's light some cigars. I got to tell you about my cruise. I had a great cruise, great time. I got to pull the ultimate casino power move. All right. It is that what you were telling the guys about earlier? Oh, no. No, no that okay. was just me winning a lot of money. This was the power move. This is the power move. All right. Well, we've got a great <laughs> show lined up for you this week. A um, couple of new releases coming out, uh, big legislative news that we're going to hit on, um, and then a couple of other things uh, that are pretty germane to the industry. But I know, Shane, you are ready to go on that 115. Well, so I walked in here. I was going to smoke a different cigar, but I walked in here and seen that Austin had gotten the humidor, the regular production of the La Aurora 115. Now, these came out a couple of years ago in 2018 as a limited edition. And, uh, and then apparently it was so successful, whatever, that they decided to turn it into a regular production cigar. Right. So we're talking about, and by the way, Blind Man's Pluff, Puff, best place to get a cigar review. It is. I mean, other than listening to the cigar cast, but you kind of got to roll the dice. If you want a text cigar review by Blind Man's Puff. Well, and if you want an actual review, we, we, that is one thing that we do not do a very good job of is, is we do review cigars, but we don't really review cigars. I review cigars excellently. I am offended by that. Compare our style versus Blind Man's Puff. Well, they're in writing. They've got an advantage. And I, I mean, it, it's, it's a little minute. Now, I do like that they put the blender, Manuel Anoa, is the blender on this one. I wonder if he's from the legendary Anoa wrestling family. Uh, anyway. Country of origin is Dominican, but the wrapper is Ecuadorian. The binder is Brazilian. And then the filler is Brazilian, Dominican, and Nicaraguan. So there's a lot going on in here. So I'm anxious to fire this puppy up and see what it's going to do for me. Well, now, what are you smoking? Um, so I'm going to be smoking the Dias de Gloria by AJ. This is a cigar that we... I feel like we talked about this recently, didn't we? I, I sang its praises at one that, point. That's what it was. Um, I have not had one of these. And... You know, A.J. Fernandez is quickly becoming, to me, what Crowned Heads was two years ago. You know, I just, I cannot sing enough of his praises. Everything he does is a hit with me. So, um, this particular cigar, I'm smoking the Toro. It is a Nicaraguan Puro, uh, but it does use tobacco from four different of his farms, all located in the Esteli region. You know, that's one of the things that we don't talk about as much with cigars compared to, say, what was that? The Roadrunner move. Yeah. Or when he would eat the bird cigar. <laughs> kind of that same move. Sometimes oh. you get a cigar that's just that good. Fair enough. <laughs> um, but, you know, winemakers refer to terroir, which is how even on the same farm, different fields have different flavors. And tobacco gets that same thing. And so I think it's really interesting that they highlight the fact that, yes, it's, you know, Nicaraguan Puro from Esteli, but taking a point to say that the tobacco comes from four different fields, four different farms. So 
even being that close together, there's still going to be some differences in the flavor profiles of these. I think that's just a nice little tidbit that they throw in this. On the light, this may be the finest Brazilian flavor tobacco I've ever had. Wow. Because, you know, Brazilian is famous for that kind of metally taste. This is rich. This is kind of like you're licking titanium. You say that that all the time. I don't get that metallic from from Brazilian tobacco like you do. Oh, see, I always get a little... And it's not a bad taste. It's It's not licking a battery bad. But this is, you know, if everything else is licking a penny, this is licking a, a bar of titanium. Okay. And all this is licking your driver, so which could get you arrested in Brazil. But anyway, uh, that may be some of the better Brazilian tobacco I've ever tasted. I'm, I'm gonna be, I'm excited now. It's getting good to me, going down through there. But <clears throat> so, without further ado, I guess I'll share my story. We can talk about cigars anytime. So I finally got to pull. Now, this weekend, we will be going to your bachelor party, and this will be your first trip to the casino. Correct. So you have to take the opportunity to pull the ultimate casino power move. This is the, this is the ultimate. It don't get better. I finally got to fulfill. Because before, the factors never come together just right for me okay. to do it. So I'm sitting there. And the pile of chips in front of me is growing. I'm hitting full houses, flushes, three of a kinds. I've got chips coming in. Everything's going my way. And it's me and it's a couple of young ladies at the table and one older one all sitting there at the table. And I look at my dealer and I say, Raphael. Raphael is my dealer. I always know your dealer's name. Raphael, where's the gentleman's lavatory? He's down the hall. I knew where it was, but I had to. It's part of the production. It's part of the move. Okay. And I just stood up and walked away, left the chips sitting right there. Now, what most people don't know is the dealers have to watch your chips when you do that, and the good dealers will actually make a sound and have the pit boss come over and watch your chips while they do that. And I knew Raphael; he was a good dealer. So you know, and that's the most gratifying manly stride to the restroom I've ever had in my life. Because all the girls just look at you in their eye, their jawed like. Does he not care about this money? Is this so insignificant to him? Is this, you know, has he prearranged this deal? But it's the ultimate casino power move. When you got to have a big pile of chips in front of you or it don't work. If you got four chips left and you try this, they're going to say, hey, take you, take you yeah. quarters with you, Goofy. So you got to wait for the right size of stack of chips to be in front of you and then just stand up and stroll to the laboratory, take a little extra time, maybe wash your hands twice, straighten your hair. And then stroll back, and when you sit down at the table, you flip a $5 chip to the dealer as if to say thank you. And it's, it's the, the illusion is complete. <laughs> so this weekend. Now, so, yes, I realize the dealers are required to keep an eye on your chips when you do something like that. But I'd be interested to know if the dealers like it when people do that or if it pisses them off. You always throw the $5 well, chip yeah. at them when you get back. So if you... As long as, because most people, most dealers work for tips. So when you get back, you always throw the dealer, you know, a tip. And don't tip him a dollar. Come on, people. If you're playing, so here's the, here's tipping protocol. If you're at the $5 table, the minimum tip is $5. If you're at the $1 table, you can tip $1. If you're at the $25 table, the minimum tip is $25. The table minimum is always the tip. Gotcha. And Because I was sitting there with people throwing $1 chips at the dealer, and it's like, that's insulting. It's it's a $5. If, you're, if you can afford to bet 5 you can afford to tip, tip five. 5 Yeah. But I did get to execute the ultimate casino power move, and I expect to see you execute that this weekend if at some point you end you're up assume, ahead. You're assuming at some point I'm going to end up ahead. Just follow my lead. I had four of a kind in three-card poker. That's how good I was. <laughs> and I'll... I'm, I'm, for some reason, I threw a dollar on the all-six bet, and so when you play all-six, you play your three cards plus the dealer's three cards and hit the 50-to-1 shot. Wow. Got, got the four-of-a-kind on, on three-card poker. So had a straight flush, which pays 40-to-1. Had three-of-a-kind, which pays 30-to-1. I mean, I just had a great week on the cruise boat so at the casino. So three-card poker plays like blackjack where it's kind of face-up and it's just sort of what you get. Is it... Like you're, no, you're playing different. against the house, you're not betting against the other people at the table. No, yeah, you're never betting against the other people at the table. All you're you're always playing, and you don't really have to play the house. You could pay the player plus line, and all you're playing against is yourself, is your cards. 
and all, but it's, I'll teach you this weekend. All right. It, it, in three, four hundred dollars, I'll have you coached up, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> no. And so, that's just what I have to pay you. That doesn't include what I spend on the table, oh, right? Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That's just my hourly rate. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, it is your bachelor party. I'll cut it down to 50 bucks an hour. So, I want to talk about now that we can come back to cigars. I'll co- also, well, before I get on the cigars. Um, Alex had messaged me about going to Casa Habanos in Cozumel. Mm-hmm. So I knew years ago I had come to Cozumel on a cruise ship and I had got off at another port and all. And I never could figure out where that other port was. Well, I found out this time because Casa Habanos is down at the other port, at the old port. So you jump out of the cruise ship, you tell them Casa Habanos, you give them $8 in the cab and they'll take you down there. He's a Cuban immigrant that came to Cozumel. He rolls his own cigars there, his own house blend. They have some, you know, Olivas and traditional stuff for sale, but I'm not going to go to Cozumel and buy that. Um, Set on the patio. You've seen the picture. The picture don't do justice. The patio was hanging on for dear life. I was fairly (laughs) certain at any point I was going to fall into the ocean. But sat down, had it. Very good cigar. Very nice. Had a coffee. Very nice owner. You know, he once he woke up, he came out there and guided me into the right cigars and all. Just if you're going to Cozumel, take a minute and go there. It's on the second floor. You kind of get to set up and look out over the square there yeah. where all the pigeons are. And um, just a worthwhile eight bucks worthwhile experience. Very and then cool. we took the um, the horse and buggy back. And all we, me and the wife took the romantic Little horse and buggy. Cab. Yeah. And all back, and it was—it's—it's it's always worth a little more to travel via horse and buggy. At least once. Yeah, when you're in Mexico, travel well, via well, horse I've and been, buggy. It's—it's it's funny that you mentioned that. I've been watching a Western series. It's an older TV series called Hell on Wheels, and I've been—I recently watched the whole run. And in the last couple of seasons, they've really—it has been sort of as the stagecoach started to make its way out west because everyone thinks that that's a symbol of the west but it kind of took a while before it it really got there i want i want to ride on a four horse team i've i've ridden single horse double horse i have never ridden either in a coach or a wagon or anything like that pulled by a four the amount of skill it takes somebody to steer a four horse team is incredible well now i've ridden on a one horse power a two horse power and an eight dog power when we were in Alaska, we rode on dog sled, but it was a metal dog yeah. sled with eight dogs hooked to it. Yeah. And they'll, eight dogs will pull your ears yeah. off. It's yeah. unbelievable how fast they go. But, okay, so I can come back to cigars now. So a correction from last week. The mystery has been solved. So last week we were talking about the diesel delirium that I was smoking, and I said, you know, why is the wrapper different? Well, it turns out, I didn't have the regular diesel delirium. I had the limited edition diesel delirium. Only 5,000 boxes have been made and will be released in early March. So how the person that got that got that to me, he must have picked it up at the show or something. Yeah. And uh, But it was an Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper, Connecticut Broadleaf, Natural Nicaraguan Lajero and Ometepe fillers. Um, good cigar. I mean, it was good. It had a lot of flour to it, a lot of flavor. This one kind of compares it to the hair of the dog, and I can kind of see that comparison a little more accurately now. Okay. In hindsight, it's funny how kind of what you expect. Now, this one... I have had the hair of the dog, and it's a very good cigar as well. Yeah, it's only sold in one size, 6x52, but I would do Which is in my wheelhouse all day long, and 10 bucks a stick. Yeah, 10 bucks a stick. That's I can't complain at all, so I'm, I'm definitely... A little more impressed with my smoke from last week now than I was then. But, I mean, I, it was still a good smoke. Yeah. And also, are you ready to talk about the big legislative news? Am I boring you? Am I keeping you awake? A little bit. Is it, is it while you were out of town, all hell broke loose on this town with the weather and the... It's been... And, of course, my line of work, that means I've been extraordinarily busy the last two days. So, I, you know, yeah, I'm a little tired. What can I say, gonna, babe? I'm the only thing holding it together in Nashville. Um, I leave town for a couple of days and she falls apart. Let's talk about the JRE first. <laughs> okay. Two new tremendous sizes from JRE. This is the aficionado. Um, now, JRE, I don't think, I don't know. Do they? The Lunatic is not a JRE. The Lunatic's a JFR, ain't it? Okay. Yeah. 
and all. So they're they're getting JRE is getting into the big cigar market, which is funny because JFR is in the big cigar market. Right. And I wonder if they're they're trying well, to get the rub. And what's really funny about this is that JRE is distributed by CLE. So you've got CLE distributing JRE, not to be confused with JFR. Right. <laughs> and it's founded by Julio R. Eroa. And also, we had an Eroa. We had Chris. No, we no. haven't had Chris. It was his... His brother. Um, yeah, we had an Eroa on the show. Eora on the show. <laughs> Oh, we are so dang professional, it's not even funny. Man, I'll tell you what. <laughs> and uh, So the JRE is going to be a new version of the Rancho Luna Grandes. And they're going to do a 7x64 and a 770. And I like the price, $7.20, $7.80. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good for the size. But I will tell you, as big a fan as I am of big green gauge cigars, 770 is too much. Yeah. The 770 is just too much volume of cigar for me. You're a 7 by 60 Yeah, 760. The 764 that they're talking about here probably can hit that. Okay. And uh, they're made in Honduras at the Aladino factory. Oh, this, is, this sounds like something, you know, you talk about you know people's palates. This sounds like something that Alex would really like. Yeah. And uh, it kind of matches his palate. Um, this is made in, rolled only in Corojo tobaccos and the band and the design is different. They didn't put the wrapper on here. But you're t- <laughs> um, and I have butchered this article. You, have, you really, really have. Um, basically there are two different lines is, is what they're talking about. Both of them are Corojo. Uh, one of them is Habano and Corojo. Um, and they were both released at the TPE trade show uh, about a month ago. So that was when, so we can expect these to probably hit shelves this week. And, you know, they don't have JRE here. I'd be interested to know what stores are going to start carrying them if they're going to, if they're going to do an uptick now that they're getting a little press in aficionado. So onward and upward. House passes historic bill exempting premium cigars from internet sales. Pre-market review, but there's a catch. Okay. So I'm going to break this down into simple, into simple language. They finally acknowledged that premium cigars are different from vaping, cigarettes, snuff, machine-made cigars, and all the other stuff. Right. Which is what we've been crowing about forever. And also, uh, the House Representative passed a bill last Friday that aspires to curtail youth use of tobacco products. Yeah, whatever. And here's the deal. Hey, why don't we pass a bill that gets parents to raise their stinking children, and then we won't have to pass so many bills regarding tobacco, firearms, alcohol, and everything else? Can we pass a bill maybe that, that, that dads stay at home and all, that they, that they do a few more things with their kids besides just see them in passing? How about we pass a bill, say, take care of your spawn? I'm starting a new representative bill. Representative, take care of your spawn bill. And all. But, so they did acknowledge premium cigars, but they, here's the catch. They say they've got to have a $14 or $12 price tag to be considered a premium cigar. Is that not the stupidest way to define a premium cigar? It really is. So you're telling me that if they, you're telling me if they kick the price of a black and mild up to $12, it's now a premium cigar? What is wrong with these people? Yeah. Well, and it, according to the FDA's own data, fewer than 25% of all handmade cigars would fall into this price. So you are immediately taking 75% of all handmade cigars off the table when you set the price point at $12. And then on top of that, you've got to think online sales predominantly affect cigars well under that more than brick and mortar. Sure. Well, more people... The main reason people buy online is price. Right. And uh, there's, there's some issues where it's availability, where people don't live near a, a cigar lounge. Or availability of a particular cigar. Sometimes sure. you, you know, sometimes the only place to find, like, uh, is it Two Guys Smoke Shop that have all the Roma Craft exclusives? Right. So, you know, if you're a Roma Craft fanboy like I am and like some of my friends are, you pretty much have to buy online to, to make sure you're going to get the new releases and stuff. So... 
Yeah, and, and even that most of the time falls under that under 12 category. So this is it's really a stupid designation to make. Right, so if Winston Lights become $12 a cigarette, are they now a premium cigar? Apparently. And uh, I mean, if, if he pays $12 for a hot dog, is it a premium hot dog? Is it a premium cigar? I mean, it's a... It, I, so, but I recognize the same way as we said, you know, saying we're not going, we're going to pass a law but not enforce it as a stepping stone. Getting established that premium cigars is a different animal is very important. It is. I, you know, for once, we'll agree on that as this definitely being in the win category. But there's a little bit of an asterisk beside it, I think, at this point still. Yeah, it's a, it's a subtle win. It's not a complete win, but it is it is a move in the right direction, and I think it's easy to look at the FDA. It's a win by default. The opposing team got hit by a Mack truck on the way to the stadium. Yeah, it, it, but it's easy from this point to use this as grounds to look at the FDA and say, hey, FDA, why, why $14? So you've got $12. a... $12. Or $12. I don't know why I'm hung on 14 You have a perfectly functionable definition of a premium cigar. Yeah. In the in all the legislation we've talked about, yeah, that's the thing. You know, all the, all the cigar label has to do the you know, lobby rather. Um, all they have to do is say, "Look, you've made great progress. Here's what we think it is. We will stop fighting you if you will just use our definition instead of your own, and then we're done. You right. get you get what you want. We get what we want. Everybody's happy. We walk away from the table both feeling victorious. Just change your definition." And FDA's counter will be okay, but we won't flavored tobacco. Let them have it. And, I'll, and you know, I'm kind of that way too. Well, and I'm only that way because if it, and like we talked about when it first started, kind of being bandied about about a year and a half ago. As long as there's some caveat that says we're done having this conversation, I will give you flavored tobacco, but this is closed in perpetuity. Just. We're not revisiting this. And I don't, you know, I don't, it's hard not to say I look down my nose at cigar smokers that smoke flavored cigars, because I do have a little bit of, if you're going to smoke a cigar, why would you not want it to taste like a cigar? But um, I can, I'd be happy under the condition that they're done, they're out. We now have a classification called premium cigars. And that doesn't include flavored cigars. Cool. Knock yourself out. Right. Wouldn't complain at all. So tell me about Dias Glorious. I'm really enjoying this. Uh, this reminds me of the New World, but a little more well-blended, a little, probably a little more aged, it tastes like, a little smoother. The wrapper's different, um, to be sure. With the New World, which is one of my favorite A.J. Fernandez sticks, you get a little bit of bitterness um, and some some of that strength taking over as flavor, if that makes sense. You don't get that with this. Actually, no, it's probably closer to the Enclave. It's probably closer to the Enclave in flavor. It is very, very good. I'm getting that that salivation in the back of my mouth, which I love getting from a cigar, and it's really unusual to get that from a Nicaraguan Puro. Typically, that comes from a Dominican cigar, but I am getting that. I'm not getting that dry mouth feeling from a, a from a Nicaraguan at all. You know, for me, that one lands smack between the New World and the Ramona Yones. And all uh, the Ramona Yones being the top of the pile in that class of cigar, and then the New World is kind of the bu- the workhorse budget stick in yeah. that pile. Yeah. Well, I mean, the New World coming in around $7, that's, that's squarely where it should be at that point. Yeah, it kind of falls right in that area. So I'm, I really like that cigar. I had that cigar the first night. Um, we were on the cruise after dinner, set out on deck, and that was my first cigar of the cruise, which... When I, I did an interesting experiment with cigars on this, and when we get back from the break, I've got to tell you about it. It's really, it's changed my perspective because I changed my, my method for cruise ship cigar smoking. All right, well, we'll be back with that and more after this. Trey here with this week's Cigar Under $8. want to talk about a cigar that I absolutely love. This is the A.J. Fernandez Enclave. Talk about it a little bit on the show tonight. Um, this is a medium to full, bordering on full flavored cigar, but is just 
so unique and well blended that I think it's a jewel in the crown of AJ Fernandez. This goes under the category of a cigar you can smoke every day. Absolutely. Both in price, in flavor, in texture, in in um, consistency. This is consistently a great cigar. Absolutely. It's uh, it can be had for around seven dollars in most brick and mortars. It's got a Habano Rosado wrapper over Cameroon binder, which you and I are both big fans of. Uh, Nicaraguan long fillers to include uh, Peloto Cubano. Um, it's just an absolute phenomenal cigar. In fact, my uncle, who rarely smokes, this is his favorite cigar, if that tells you anything. Excellent. So try an A.J. Fernandez Enclave. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. One of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from the man who won't eat at Panda Express for fear of the coronavirus, Cartray How Denman. dare you? <laughs> Ain't you oh. glad I didn't choose the one that pissed you off? <laughs> this, you know, it's, it's funny <laughs> because when the, the whole coronavirus scare first started, I was one of the first people to be like, you know what, it's not that big a deal. And now it seems like there are only two camps of people the oh my god we're all gonna die and the i don't care like it's you know bordering on media hysteria hysteria and uh, um, conspiracy theory like there seems to be no one in the middle ground so here's what has happened if we look at this from a big picture societal perspective used to the news was considered a lost leader. Used to, the news was something you put on to lead into, you know, MASH or NCIS or whatever. The news was not considered a revenue-producing right. program. Well, and it's interesting because the news hours, so when TV was first getting started, a little bit of TV nerdity here, um, the stations were given a stipend by the FCC for an hour of news a night. And so it was intended to not, it, 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 by very definition, it was not supposed to be a revenue generator. That's how you kept it pure. honest and pure. Right. That's um, how it became unbiased. Then a little man named Ted Turner came in and changed all that. Right. Right. CNN changed everything. It, it degraded journalism integrity to to the umpteenth degree and then in response to CNN degrading it in one direction we get Fox News which degrades it in a totally different direction right and uh, that's why I never watch any of the news networks headline news CNN Fox whatever and C-SPAN I, I can't imagine whose life is so dull they watch C-SPAN um, because they're trying to sell soap they're not trying to give you the news right and, uh, and Again, you would love the newsroom. You've got to go back and watch that show. Well, that's what the, and that's what's happened to this coronavirus. Is I say, hey, we if we make somebody think that they're going to die tomorrow, they'll watch us tonight. So uh, the old the old saying that comes out of the newspapers is, if it bleeds, it leads. And the idea that the more sensationalized the story, the more viewers, readers, whatever. And so now that you're in a revenue generating schema for your for your television network, yeah, you're gonna follow. You're gonna follow where the money is. Yeah, and and that's a, that's a shame. It's a shame because then it destroys the journalistic integrity of news people. And all it just you know, and there, there's been a number of factors. It's not simply that, but there's been a number of factors. But fact of the matter is, getting unbiased news is impossible. It, it's, it's nigh on impossible. There's still some avenues out there. Um, most people will disagree with me when I say that NPR is still about as close as you get in this country. Um, but BBC for world news is about as good as it gets. BBC is so depressing. I was let a buddy borrow my truck the other day, and his car was tuned to BBC, and I turned it on. And I wanted to drive off a cliff after listening to it for 20 minutes. Um, I can't imagine. And now you know why people spend billions of dollars a year on infotainment. Because what you were listening to was the news. And by your own admission, it's dull. And it's 
it's no, depressing. They, they chew. So you're telling me there's nothing good going on in the world that they could report on? Well, but or the, that I tuned in for the sad hour. The good, the good information, the good news, uh, tends to be less important than bad news. No, it tends to be from an evolutional standpoint. It tends to be more fruitful to say one antelope to another. Hey, there's a cheetah over there, as opposed from one antelope to other. Say, look how pretty those buttercups are. Well, so it's it's lizard brain. Yeah, and BBC is exploiting lizard brain, so they're no better than anybody else. <laughs> Except they're not oh. doing it for revenue generation, so you get more honest coverage of the topics at hand. They're still trying to get ears on them, and all, but I, that's going to be the way of the world from this point forward. I don't I don't think it can be changed. So let's talk about something that does matter. Illusione creates a PCA-exclusive cigar. We are huge fans of Illusione on this show. Um, Both you and I, I don't think, have ever had an Illusione we didn't like. The exception for me being the Lancero, but that's more of an indictment on the size than it is the cigar. Well, the cigar itself is a Habano-Ecuadorian wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, Nicaraguan filler, Five and a half by 56, but not, that really is secondary to me. What really matters to me is they're releasing a cigar. They will not take pre-show orders. They will not take post-show orders. This will only be available at the PCA show in limited amounts. Now, that's that's, that's taking a, a stand. That is a statement. Yeah, that is Illusione taking a stand firmly on the side of PCA. Uh, as they say specifically in their press release, we feel that PCA is a critical juncture in the way we do business, both from an industry standpoint and a trade show standpoint. We want to do our part by incentivizing the retailers to come to the show. And then they go on from there. And and shame on you, Cigar Journal, for not closing your quotation mark. I don't, <laughs> I don't know where their statement ends. Well, so here's my question. Is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? Is this a non-starter? Um, what is this? What, how does this make you feel when you read this article? What is the, the vibe you're catching? <clears throat> this highlights what a watershed moment we witnessed a couple months ago when the first of the big companies started saying they weren't going to go to the PCA this year. That was a watershed moment, and we are going to see potentially significant, but at least some fallout from that. Fracturing of the industry, um, strategic alliances forming or disbanding as a result of that. I think this goes deeper than we originally thought it might have. For a company like Illusione, who is still a boutique, even though they've been around forever, they've got great name recognition and humidor presence, but they're still a boutique. For them to feel so strongly as to make this bold a statement, I think that's indicative of something bigger brewing below the surface than just, we want to try out this new trade show now. Is it that? Because my inner cynic says, if you are a Lugione and you are a boutique, this is a low-cost way to catch a bunch of eyeballs. Except that having talked to a lot of shop owners... uh, not just because some of the bigger players aren't going, but people are tired of Vegas. People are tired of New Orleans. They're tired of the show. It's the same stuff every year. You know, retailers aren't going. Okay, so fix the show. How do you fix the show? Well, that's that's an entire show in, in and of itself, and I don't have the answer to it. Well, just give me one step. Give me, let's say PCA called, said, uh, Mr. Dedman, we would like, because I'll... Almost always, people say, Shane, how would you fix this? And I almost always have a fix in mind that I would throw, that I would try. So I want to hear, what's your fix? How do you fix the PCA show? You lower the cost, you lower the cost of a booth. Because one of the things that made the trade show so powerful in years past were the parties and the sponsored events. Those have largely gone away in recent years. Um, so you lower the cost of the booth, but you do it in such a way that you incentivize people to still spend the same amount of money, but do it on uh, more event-type things. Make it fun for the, for the retailers. Make it more of a destination and event of itself. The other thing you do is that you require exactly what Illusione is doing. 
if you're going to offer show deals, they have to be exclusive deals to the show. No pre-releases, and you can extend it for up to 30 days after the show, but the people at the show have to have first uh, chance at getting those deals. How do you enforce that? That seems completely and totally unenforceable. I mean, what do you do here that they're that they're selling them and they're not at the show and shut them, ban them from the show next year? It seems kind of counterproductive. It does. Uh, you know, I I don't have the answer to that. Um, I'm sure to a certain extent it re- it requires the honor system, um, especially since PCA doesn't have their hand in these companies' books to know what they are and aren't doing. Um, but I think if you if you create incentive for the manufacturers to do it that way, they will. And I think that's what it comes down to, is you have to create incentive for the manufacturers to say to their owners, hey, you should come to the show. Well, because it's like you talk about it all the time. Business is business, right? right? Clearly, it is no longer worth the investment for the bigger companies to shell out the time and the money it takes to put on a booth or a display at the show. If it made good sense for them business-wise, they'd still be doing it. So, clearly, if you want to right the ship, you need to find a way to make the show worth the while of the people that you want there, i.e. the manufacturers. So, here's what you do. Here's how you fix this. You say, okay, the board for the show now consists of board members from different companies. You may not serve on the same board two years in a row. But if this year Drew Estate... Altidus, Illusione, and Don Gonzalez is running the show at all. They're going to push it hard, and it becomes part of the overall. True. You, now, but the other thing with that is, you know, you have to make serving on that board worth the while of these people whose primary job is running their own companies. You know, the PCA is its own full-time job for people that sit on that board and for people that run these events. You know. It, the amount of manpower and organization and planning that goes into an event of this scale is a full-time job for multiple people all year round, even though it's a three-day event. Now, granted, they do other stuff throughout the year that goes into that as well, but my point is Don Gonzalez doesn't have time to sit on a board for PCA to help them run a show. Um, But if they made the offer, it would probably make him more likely to come to the show. Well, certainly. And if Drew Estate said, hey, this year we're running the show, we would like you to be there, Nick Perdomo. Nick Perdomo probably says, yeah, I'll be there, because he knows the year he's running the show, he wants to be sure Drew Estate's going to be there. Yeah. And also, what you have to do, I think this comes down to the PCA has to quit running the show and create a board that runs the show based on the marketing groups of these companies. I mean, that's what, that's what has to happen, because that's their complaint, is that they're not being heard. That's why they're not wanting to go to the show. Right. That, that's what they've spoke out about, that PCA is not paying attention to its membership, and that's what's causing this rift that we're experiencing right now. Which goes back to my point about the fact that if it made good sense for them, they would be there already. So, going to be interesting, but I do applaud Illusione. I'm proud... Anytime that somebody just stands up and makes a stand and says, this is how I think it should be, and I'm willing to put my money where my mouth is, then I'm, I'm, on, I'm on board. I, I applaud Illusione for this. I, it makes me like Illusione a little better knowing they're willing to step up to the plate here. Yes, but, instead of the yes and, sometimes the old way is not the right way. And just because PCA has been around forever does not mean that they are the, they're deserving of any type of loyalty. Now, they may have earned loyalty with some people, but they don't, they have not earned loyalty just by virtue of the fact that they've been around for 30 years. So, you know, if TPE comes in and they run a better show, then maybe it's time for them to take over. Yeah, maybe it's time for, maybe PCA has outlived its usefulness. Yeah. You know, our local home builders association here in Tennessee has outlived their usefulness. They have become a self-serving entity, so most builders are no longer a member. Yeah, and I think that's what we're seeing happen with PCA. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's a natural progression. Everything has a shelf life. You know, we have a mayor here in Nashville. And I was talking to someone recently who knows him very well on a personal level, 
and said that all this man has ever wanted out of life is to be the mayor of Nashville. And now he has the job and he's going to lose it because he was so desperate to get the job and he's, he's so afraid of making anybody mad that his inaction is going to result in him losing his job. And I, think that's, and I think that's a perfect analogy for what's happening with PCA. It seems to me, from an outsider looking in, that they all have created their network, their, they've gotten their jobs, their, their positions, and they're so afraid of losing them that they're losing sight of what really matters. They've st- the PCA has started serving the PCA instead of the premium cigar industry. Exactly. And, uh, okay, so let's talk about something fun. A book? A new book. Great Places to Smoke a Cigar. All right. Admittedly, this looks a lot better than the book that I talked about last week. Yeah, it, uh, it looks vastly more interesting and less bummer. But there will be 100 entrants in the books worldwide, and they get a full-color, high-resolution image. Do you image. want to talk about the name of the book first? <laughs> I, was, I was working to it, man. I, it was, well, uh, your description kind of makes no you, sense you if get, you don't talk. you got you got to get Fine. the reveal. It's, it's your show. Go for it. Okay, just, just sit over there and smoke quietly, and I'll, I'll point at you when I want you to talk. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll point at you, too. <laughs> and, uh, no, I, I finally got the bird, y'all. I've been trying hard. Okay, the new book, Great Places to Smoke a Cigar. Well, now that explains why there will be 100 entries in the Worldwide Edition. Here's my question. Why? Why what? Why? 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 What possible reason would I want this book? I mean... I thought you said you wanted... Th- I thought you liked this. Oh, you no. don't? No, I said I liked the article. I didn't say I liked uh, the book. Okay, good. Then we are going to agree on this. It seems so pointless right now, I to me. Change my opinion. <laughs> it seems so pointless to me. Um, so basically, I mean, that being said, it's a coffee table book. You know, it's it's meant to be something that sits out and is there to look at. It's not necessarily meant to be a reference guide. I don't believe. Uh, sparkling text, full color, high resolution images. You know, so it's really it's about the look that more than it is the subject. It's all hat no saddle. Well, okay. So, I would like a more detailed review of this book before I pass judgment. Okay. Because, okay, if this is great place to, to smoke a cigar, mile 432 on the Great Wall of China, where you have a beautiful view of the Yingzang River, and, and they, and they kind of hit that, I'm in. You yeah. know. But if it's just a highlight of 100 shops from around the world, yeah. if it, if I don't need that. No, I don't need I got a phone app. I got three phone apps that'll shoot me to any cigar lounge where I'm at. Exactly. And I'll, now, that being said, you know, I am a fan of um, old world, you know, physical books over digital. You know, I, I like writing with pen and paper. I like doing my crossword out of the actual newspaper versus, you know, on an iPad or something. But at the same time, when it comes to, you know, new cigar shops open every day. There's no way to keep this updated or something like that. Obviously, the intention of this would not be to keep it updated, but... I just don't see I don't see there being a tangible need for something like this. This seems like an ideal that would have worked 15 years ago. But the today I just don't I think we've moved past this thing. It's not like I'm going to whip out my KOA campground roadmap and my great place to smoke a cigar book and take a highlighter and plot my course there. And also I'm, I'm inter- I would like to know what's the book got. Is it great places to smoke a cigar? As in, you know, if you happen to be Rome, in Rome, go to this spot. Is it something where you say, okay, I'm going to smoke a cigar in all in 50 of these 100 places, or in all these places during the continental United States? If it's something like that, yeah, I might could get behind it. But it just it kind of seems to me that it's not a not a great idea that we've that we've moved past this time in history. Yeah. That the great place to smoke a cigar. So, talk to me about Dias Glorious. Every inch of it I smoke, I like it more and more. This is hitting me in all the right places. What is what is the price point on this? It's fairly inexpensive, as uh, I recall. It's it's up there. It's twelve twelve or so. Pack of five is fifty seven dollars. Okay, yeah. So it's. Yeah, it's it's up there. It's twelve or so at your local brick and mortar, and because I did something, so I did something. That's new. unusual price point for an AJ stick, but man, is it worth it? 
I don't say that often. I would pay $12 for this stick all day long. So I did something unique this time when I went on my cruise. The day before I got went down to get on the cruise boat, I went up to Casa, and I didn't buy anything that's in my normal rotation. I only took cigar. I didn't take an Africa that's, that's with brave. me. Yeah, I didn't take a Don Gonzalez with me. I didn't take an Africa with me. I didn't take a DNA. I took no cigars that ever make my regular rotation went with me on this cruise. So I took my palate on vacation at the same time that I took it. And I got to say, I really enjoyed doing that. And, uh, you know, I took the Romeo Nicaraguan 1875 Connecticut. Great cigar. I took the Monte Nicaraguans. I took, I ended up buying a bunch of Altadese stuff. But um, I took the Dias Glorious. I took a lot of cigars, the Herman's Batch. A lot of cigars. Great cigar. I was underwhelmed. Really? Yeah, I was kind of underwhelmed by the Herman's Batch. I was expecting more. That being said, though, I am a bigger H. Upman fan than anybody else I've ever met. So I'm not surprised to hear that from you. Uh, For whatever reason, I'm a big H. Upman fan. Well, I recommend that. Sometime when you're going to take a trip, just do that. Just lay lay aside a little extra cash, and I'll lay, lay aside a little extra wampum, and go buy just cigars that you don't normally smoke. And uh, cigars, and, you know, I bought a lot of stuff that I knew was good, but that just never makes the, the regular rotation for me. And I really enjoyed it. I think it actually added to the cigar side of my my vacation. I felt more on vacation because I couldn't just grab an Africa or just grab something that I that I usually smoke. You know, I took some of the stuff that Alex sent me. I took some of the stuff that other listeners have sent me. I really got to try a bunch of of unique stuff and highly recommend it. Next time you take a vacation, Send take your, your palate on a vacation. Well, it's like we were just talking about, before, I think at the break, <laughs> now I'm going to be headed to Belize in about a month and I'm already thinking about, you know, what cigars to take with me or if to take any with me and pick them up while I'm there, you know, that sort of thing. This is definitely something that I will take into consideration, especially for someone like me who smokes the same four cigars over and over anyway. Yeah. You know, my, my, my weekly consumption revolves around five or six cigars. Yeah. And all. And that and it kind of just revolves in and out on those lists. So well worth it to just take the palate on a vacation. And all it's a it's a unique cigar smoker thing. All right, last article. Let's hit one more before we call it a night. All right. Yeah. And all. Um Romeo Night at the Habanos Festival raises more than four million Euros. So the Habanos Festival went on in Cuba, and this was Romeo and Juliet's um, the Romeo and Juliet's big anniversary, and they released the Romeo and Juliet Linea de Oro. Is that the Golden Line? Yes. And all, it's a new ultra luxury line from Romeo that surpasses the original. Um, the annual humidor auction. So these humidors that they're auctioning, they're not auctioning a chest that sits on top of your dresser. No. This is a five-foot-tall humidor owning, you know, holding a couple of hundred, hundred sticks. And uh, one of the ones that um, one of the ones that they talk about, a uh, line of Linea de Oro, followed by the Nobles, and I'm trying to get to the actual humidors. Um, so, Alamorsa of the. Aerodine. I don't know where you're going, or I would help you. Okay, thank you. H. Upman Humidor, complete with 355 cigars and a bottle of Legendario, legendary star of the Caribbean 500 rub, sold for $301,000 to an Arabian emirate, Ali Alamasuri. And also, the one thing I notice about this is it's held in Cuba, the Monte Cristo Humidor, 450 cigars, including 20 Maravillas and 50 Herederos. Um, I am 100% certain you pronounced that correctly. Thank you. And uh, winning bid, 420,000 euros, so $470,000. By the way, aficionado, thank you for doing the conversion for us. And, uh, I, I, I was scared that they would just have that. But the jewel, the jewel of the auction was the um, the Cohiba humidor that sold for 2.7 million dollars. See this one I did know where to follow you on. 4.8 million. 
or no, 2.4 million. Yeah, you're right. 2.7 million dollars. 4.8 was the total raised. Right. For Cuba's healthcare system, I wonder how much of that went to Castro's healthcare. Um. So the humidor itself is one of six um, of the total lots, and definitely the far and away winner. It has drawers on both sides uh, filled with 550 cigars, including several rarities such as 40 Bajiques, um, 20 Esplendidos, 30 Majestuosos. Yeah, I'm done. Uh, (laughs) I could keep going forever on this. Um, Including 20 Cohibas from 1966. Um, So, I mean... I just can't even wrap wrap my head around the fact that, like you said, the, the entire thing, $4.8 million, half of that, a little over half of that, was this one humidor. Yeah, it, they got into a spirited bidding war between the Chinese and the Arabian, Arabian Emirates, and it ended up far exceeding it. And, okay, I can be as snarky as I want about Cuba and communism and all that, but I'm not going to. I'm, I'm glad that it raised a lot of money for health care. There's a lot of ways that that can help people. That kind of money really can turn heads, can do things. So I, I will refrain from my political commenting for this particular article because I do think it is a good thing when they are doing a charity auction in Cuba, which obviously needs it. You know, so yeah. many years under communist rule, it's so, such a poor country. Um, they They did something good here, so... Really cool. They said it was a lot of entertainment. Said it went all night long. Everybody was dressed nice. I really just enjoyed that part of life. I love the fact that they got Gloria Gaynor to come down and sing I Will Survive, too. I wonder what she charges a night these days. I don't think it's one of those deals where they just... They, well, I'm sure she... But I'm, I, I wonder for anybody else, if you wanted to hire her for a bar mitzvah or something, what she would charge for that same amount of time. I have no idea. I can't imagine it's much anymore. But rate the D is glorious. Six and a half. Six and a half. That's a strong rating. That's a very... It is so good. Let me tell you about this 115. This is definitely going into the regular rotation. This is that good. This is box worthy. This is just a smooth, rich, well-blended... I mean, La Aurora has just knocked it out of the park this year, man. Is has anybody put out more great sticks this year than La Aurora? No. I mean, the, down there at Miami Not Cigar, by a long shot. They've, they've got their act together and all, but this is just hitting my palate just right. Like I said, it's the richest Brazilian tobacco I've ever tasted. The wrapper is smooth. The finish is oily. The burn has been perfect. The draw has been superior. This is definite six all day long. Could, could get close to the six and a half under the right conditions but this is definitely a six all day long for me so absolutely great job from la aurora well how do they get a hold of us <coughs> they get a hold of us there's something about this corner tonight you and i have both been fighting our smoke you can get a hold of us via email info at the cigarcast.com we're on all social medias facebook.com slash the cigarcast instagram and twitter at the cigarcast well thanks everybody for listening this week and until next week have a great cigar and think well of us 